Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. You know, like most of you, I'm pretty set in my ways about a lot of aquarium things. I'm not a big fan of making sweeping changes to my personal best practices and such. I don't think it's all that unusual either. I mean, as fish geeks, we simply have certain ways of doing stuff, and changing those ways of doing things is a bit uncomfortable for most of us, right? And when unexpected things happen or circumstances intervene, forcing us to change the way we do stuff or, you know, when they alter our plans to counter them, well, many of us sort of freak the, you know what, out, right? We do. And you can't deny this either. You do and I know it. And you know it. Really. I remember growing up and even times all that, not, not all that long ago, actually, Uh, And there were things that would happen in my aquariums or things I'd find in them that would just kind of freak me out or at the very least, they'd throw me off my game, as they say. Okay, wait a minute. These things can still freak me out. They can freak out any red-blooded aquarist. You know what I'm referring to, right? Stuff. You know, stuff that happens in our tanks. Stuff we find in them that we don't want there. Changes that we need to make. Corrections, repairs, repositioning tasks we forget to do, etc., etc., etc. We all have these things. Here are just a few shining examples that I'll bet more than one or two of you can relate to. You know, that first spot of algae you see in the aquarium. It seems like no occurrence is cloaked with more fear, more confusion, or more dread than the appearance of that very first visible algal growth in your brand spanking new aquarium. Doesn't matter if it's green algae, hair algae, diatoms, cyanobacteria, or whatever. It's freaking algae. Algae to many aquarists is a sign, a bad sign, an omen even that something is up. The whole tank will be taken over by a greenish blob in days, which in the case of algae we know is kind of ridiculous because algae, you know, is important, it's beneficial, and in many cases it's indicative that our tank is doing what it should be doing. It's necessary. It generally only becomes excessive in the presence of a combination of certain things, you know, such as too much light and too much nutrients together. The fixes are pretty straightforward, although sometimes it takes a while. Of course, we as fish geeks see its initial appearance as if it's like a prophecy of some sort, you know, like kind of like, you know, when the farmers in the ages past would see a reddish appearing moon and say, oh, it's a sign of a bad harvest or whatever. It literally can ruin your whole day. It weighs heavily on your mind. It affects your sleep and your demeanor. I know this. I've experienced it myself and I've seen it in many of my fishy friends. I get emails about this kind of stuff, and I can just feel it in the writing. It does suck. Of course, we all know that the appearance of algae in a new aquarium is completely normal, a sign that the biological processes that support life are operating, you know, producing nutrients to fuel their growth, everything's doing what it should do. Typically only becomes a problem if we set the stage for it to do so. However, we imagine things. We have images in our head of our carefully planned display tank going down in a carpet of disgusting green or brown or red or whatever color. Many a sleepless night has followed the initial discovery of algae in our aquariums. Reef aquarists and planted you know, tank people are probably the most affected by this stuff because they have a carefully controlled plan and their goal is to see coral growth or plant growth. And when you see algae taking over, it's bad. But in general, every aquarist freaks out a little bit about algae. We realize that we should know better Yet, we ponder. We know it'll typically pass as an excess of nutrients are utilized by higher life forms or no longer accumulate, but we can't help but think to ourselves, can this be the start of a continuous epic battle? 
Well, only in our heads usually, but it haunts us nonetheless. Here's another one. Uh-oh, I skipped a water change. Okay, the fact that you actually have a regular water exchange schedule puts you in an elite group of hobbyists to begin with, like a small percentage of people. Regular water changes obviously have benefits in our closed systems that are so well-known, so widely discussed, so well uh, commonly written about, and so drilled into our heads that they scarcely deserve mention here. And of course, those of us who operate with some sort of onboard guilt barometer or whatever really can be hard on ourselves when, for whatever reason, we miss a water change. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, your grandmother was in the hospital, your daughter was graduating kindergarten, or your neighborhood was evacuated for some reason. The fact is, you missed a water exchange and you are freaked. Now, far be it from me, an obsessive water change fanatic, to tell you it's not a big deal and that you should just, you know, relax. It is no big deal, though, and you should just relax. Really, think about this objectively. Unless you run your systems right up to the edge of failure by radically overstocking, dosing all kinds of stuff, and constantly tweaking pH or alkalinity, overfeeding, whatever, that missing, missing one water exchange is not going to push it over the cliff towards failure. In fact, you could probably miss a couple. The nitrogen cycle, it's a pretty amazing thing. Those little bacteria seem to get their jobs done, don't they? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now... Missing one water change or delaying it, typically, because those of us who freak out about missing one will do just about anything to get that water change done at the earliest opportunity. It's not going to have any real lasting impact on most well-managed systems. Yet the internal guilt struggle in our heads is very real, very impactful, and very difficult for some of us to handle. We just need to lighten up a bit, huh? Here's another one that comes up from time to time. You know, you're looking at your tank and, ah, that one rock that shifted, excuse me, early morning again. That one rock that shifted, it's driving me crazy. Let's be honest, there's not one hobbyist among us who doesn't give a shit about how his or her aquariums look. Not one. Even the most hardcore breeder with bear tanks, spawning mops, flower pots, and sponge filters imparts some order to his or her tanks. And we're rightfully obsessive about the art we create. And that's why, you know, entire portions of the hobby focus on aquascaping. That's partially why tannin exists. Your overall aquascape is the first thing most people see when they look at your tank. It's your work. So after we spend enormous amounts of time trying to get the balance right, here I'm stealing an old Depeche Mode song, dating myself, it totally freaks us out to find something askew. We have to fix it, like now, at 5.30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. Nothing else is quite as urgent at the moment, really. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever made a quick aquascaping fix before heading out to work in the morning by, you know, tilting one rock to the right or whatever and calling it a day. Nope, it always starts with that one rock. And of course, you can't position that one rock that way without moving the other rocks to the left just a bit. And yeah, before you know it, you're like two hours in, you've gotten almost every rock, every piece of wood and every plant repositioned at least four times. You're a bit frazzled. You've called in sick to work long since, you know, giving up on the idea of going in late due to car trouble. And there's like no end in sight to this thing. You keep going. And many hours later, with a missed day of work, two meals skipped, a sore back, and at least five towels employed. Oh, and a fairly big mess in the room where the the tank is located. You step back and you admire your newly, you know, retweaked creation. And you smile with some satisfaction. Only to realize you know, you reach that realization in the back of your head that it don't looks almost exactly like it was before you started the nine-hour process. Wow, really? How can it be? I mean, yeah, just leave things alone. Seriously, 
You'll get used to them, trust me. However, you won't. I know this because I'm exactly like you. I won't either. Yeah, those are just a few common examples of the dozens of things that freak us out as a chorus. There's dozens more. Things that throw us off our game plan, force us to make changes, things that we can't handle. And it's funny, as fish geeks, we're so predictable that we can almost all relate to this stuff. If it doesn't apply to us directly, it certainly applies to one of our fellow fish geeks, right? Everybody's got their moment when they things freak out. We're just a bit different being fish people, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I remember a few years ago, this is actually several years ago now, I was visiting a friend, uh, this is a reefer friend, a friend that keeps reefs, and had a great collection of fishes, um, really rare angelfish and stuff like that. Uh, I'm talking saltwater angelfish, of course. The real angelfish, for those of you that, uh, that, that mind. Anyway, a bunch of us were visiting this guy's home after I was speaking at, at his local club meeting. And this was, uh, you know, Saturday night at you know, 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock. And we were, you know, looking at his tanks and admiring. And all of a sudden, we hear this little boom, this little crack sound. And what happened is one of the people that was looking at the tanks somehow tripped. And he had plumbing all over the floor for his tanks, you know, hardcore fish geek. Someone broke a valve to a, a, a protein skimmer. And that protein skimmer supported this tank filled with rare, expensive angelfish. And like, uh-oh, the protein skimmer failed, you know. Now, you know, most hobbyists, what we do is we take it offline. You know, we isolate it with valves, which is fine. But he knew he didn't have a replacement protein skimmer and he didn't have a part for it. He'd have to order it. Well, it turned out one of the guys uh, that was visiting said, oh, I have that same old model protein skimmer and I have it's just sitting in my basement. I have the part for it. Of course, this guy lived an hour and a half away. It's like about 11 o'clock at night. Um, and I think it was raining, too, to, to make it worse. And this guy kind of lived in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, it's Saturday night, 11 o'clock, everybody's tired, long day. And what does this guy do? He's like, he's like I'm going to hop in the car and drive to your house and get it. And the guy's like, that's fine. So what he did is he drove, you know, an hour to, the, to this guy or an hour and a half to this guy's house. I wasn't there, of course, but I heard this later. Drove an hour and a half to the guy's house in rain came back, you know, did the fix, which took like an hour, you know, because nothing's easy when you cut pipe, as you know, it's always a challenge. Uh, so the fix took like another hour. And finally, at like, you know, 430 in the morning or five in the morning, you know, everything was done. He goes to sleep and has to wake up at 6am because his kid was on, a, on a, a, a soccer team, football, proper football for my, uh, my European friends. And he had to take him to his game. So he got like, you know, half hour of sleep, typical thing, but he fixed it. He drove it. He fixed it right then and there. And that's what aquarium people do. That's what fish geeks do. That's the obsession that some of us had because he had a tank full of very, very expensive angelfish and he couldn't, couldn't sit on it. And again, we are just a bit different as fish geeks. We're obsessive. We're hyper-focused, perhaps even a bit OCD and definitely opinionated and altogether, well, kind of strange to outsiders. And you know what? That's perfectly okay because the stuff that gets us freaked out is important. It's part of what makes us enjoy this whole thing we call the tropical fish hobby. It's what makes us stand out from, you know, stamp collectors, scrapbookers, and needlepoint makers. We're in control of a little slice of the underwater world and some of its inhabitants. And that's no small responsibility. We take it very seriously as we should. Now, sometimes we get a bit too obsessive about things, but it's because our hearts are in the right place. And I hope that never changes. Yeah, freaking out about some stuff is not a bad thing at all, is it? However, if you try to look at it objectively, it is kind of funny. Okay, I have to cut this short. 
Uh, I have to go reposition a piece of driftwood in one of my display tanks right now. It's kind of driving me crazy. Just needs a quick reposition. It's an easy fix. No big deal. I'll catch you in a few. <laughs> stay crazy. Stay obsessed. Stay devoted. Stay observant. Stay self-deprecating at times. Stay objective. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tenant Aquatics. Hope you enjoy your day. Thanks for spending part of it with me. And I look forward to seeing you next time on the next installment of The Tenth.